Hello and welcome to Connected, episode 204. It is brought to you this week by our sponsors, Squarespace, Linode, and Inboard Technology. I'm your host, Stephen Hackett, and I'm joined this week by my co-host and co-founder, Mike Hurley. Oh. Or my co-Mike. It's Hi. just us this week. Yes. I don't like co-Mike. That seems like you're part of a bigger mic system. Yeah, or that you have multiple you're mics. You're a cog in the mic machine. One of the mics. Now you're the only mic. Mm-hmm. Rolly spelled with a Y. So we uh, we are doing some traveling in October together, and I bought our plane tickets. Was it last week? And so I'm keeping you up to date. Like, hey, this is where we're flying and stuff. And I bought a ticket for you, and I spelled your name M Y K E, which is not your given name that your mother gave nope. you when you were born. You have altered it. Do you want to tell people how much money it cost you to fix that mistake was, you made? No, basically free. I just had to make a phone call to the airline, yeah. and, and I lost no, no. I lost many minutes off my life. I don't know. I saw a second email that seemed to indicate that there was a fee for There that. may have been a fee. It's fine. I think there was. But it didn't cost me. It cost was. us collectively. <laughs> right, yes. So. Your mistake cost me well, like $25 You changed your something. name. Something that doesn't make any I sense. Did, okay. But I... <sighs> okay. We're going to do follow-up now. Enough enough. Mm-hmm. Um, mic time. Co-mic time. iOS 12 beta 5, Mike. It includes artwork mm. of a thin-bezeled, no-notch iPad Pro. Are you excited about this? Yeah. Are you, your feelings? Yeah, I mean, look, this... And we've got some stuff later on today, more like iPhone and iPad rumor stuff. But we put this one in there because it's... It does relate to last week, and it's probably the least tantalizing of all of it. Um, but what these things do is they just give you the reassurance, right? It's like, yep, it's definitely happening, because this is what happened last time. They There was some glyphs somewhere inside of iOS, which very clearly indicated what uh, the iPhone ten was going to yeah. be. And now, if they're in iOS 12, and they're appearing this late in the beta cycle only seems to add fuel to the fire of new iPads in September. Totally. So. You know, if you go into this article, we'll talk about it more, Face ID, a bunch of fun stuff. But yeah, it's just like a sign of life, right? Like something mm-hmm. is happening. It's, you know, it's just a little glyph. It's not as fleshed out as, say, the touch bar was, which we had like an embedded video file in macOS. Not as fleshed out as what the HomePod leak showed about the iPhone ten. But it is, it's happening now. We are close enough now. We're what? We're like... Pinji, like five weeks away from a, a September well, keynote. Yeah, yeah, I had this realization a couple of days ago. It's here, like it, it's almost here. Yeah, I, I'm very, I am very surprised to have realized mm-hmm. this that we're so close to the iPhone. You know, I, these are the types of leaks that I like because they don't really tell you anything, right? Like these are these are the ideal leaks for me, where it's like. You can see it's coming, but you can still like, oh, what's it going to be? What does this mean? Like, these are my favorites. Um, Probably my least favorite leaks are when it's just everything, (laughs) right? right? Because it's less exciting. It's like, it's only exciting for like the moment you read it. And then the excitement goes away because you now have all the information. But like stuff like this, you're kind of still a little bit like, oh, like what could it actually mean? You know, these are my these are my favorites. These are my favorite types of of, of things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I'm right there with you. You know, there's there's always the excitement when you see you know uh, someone on Twitter or a nine to five or something have a uh, a leak and they they walk you through it. 
But you're right. Then it's time for like the keynote. We've talked about this for years. In time for the keynote, then it's like, oh, I kind of see all this coming. Sometimes Apple jokes about that. Like, oh, stop us. Mm-hmm. If you've seen this, you know, like, Phil yeah. Schiller, like, chucking and jiving. But it's, um, I, I agree with you. I, I like, I like this level of leak, and I'm sure we're going to see more because that's how this happens. Uh, because it's enough for us to, like, talk about and, like, really sort of let our imaginations run wild. We can sort of guess what they're going to do. And it's fun to talk about, like, on the shows and just kind of, you know, with nerds and, it it also like expands the the time that we get to talk about new stuff, right? Like if it's if it's completely secret, then it's like, well, you can make guesses, but this is a fun middle ground. Uh, I'm sure that we will mm-hmm. see more. In fact, we already have seen more. We're going to talk about that in a little while. But I agree with you. This is like a nice sort of yeah. There's some stuff going on, and you know, it's a 32 by 32 icon. So you know, throw you can kind of apply your wishes to the to the leak and like apply your desires to it. And it can't tell you that you're wrong yet, which is fun. So you, I, I, it was quite funny for me a couple of days ago when I got a notification for an episode of app stories. Cause I, I have liked to have notifications on for overcast cause they don't, I don't know what this type of notification is, but like it doesn't light up my, and it never has like made a sound or anything. Like they're just the notifications are there. I don't know what, like type of notification this is that Marco's doing, but whatever. Um, and because I like to be able to just triage the shows that I want to listen to, because I subscribe to lots and lots and lots of feeds, including the Relay FM Master oh, Feed, boy. as well as all of the individual shows. <laughs> oh, I don't even do that. So I never, I never want to see what the master. I never listen to anything from the Master Feed, mm-hmm. right? I listen to the individual, so I get everything twice, right? So including all my own shows. So I I have to delete lots of podcasts, right? Because every show that I'm on. I get two entries in Overcast for it. Yeah. No, I, but I don't need to listen to them because I was there at the time. So uh, I got a notification for App Stories episode 73, show me your Mac menu bar apps. And I was like, hang on a second. <laughs> I was like, well, it's like, no offense, I love App Stories, but one, I don't want to listen to that episode because I don't care about Mac menu bar apps. And then when I had that realization, I thought to myself, Federico definitely doesn't care about <laughs> Mac menu bar apps. And then I realized, oh, Stephen was on it because Federico's equipment exploded. Yeah. Like I told John, I think it made it in the show. I Anytime I can hijack one of Federico's media properties and talk about the Mac, I'll do it. Like, So John's like, oh, I need somebody to record. He's like, yes, I can do it right now. Let's go. Like, Whatever time you need me there. As long as we can talk about Mac mini bar apps, that episode may not be for you, and that's fine. But I had a really nice time talking with John about it, and I think uh, I think it came out really nicely. It's a great show. If you don't listen to App Stories, you need to add it to your rotation. It's fun. Yeah, it's very it's very good. I like App Stories a lot. That just that one just wasn't for me. No offense, guys, but like, I mean, I barely care about Mac apps, Mac menu bar apps. That's you know. That's that's not for me. Mm. I'm sorry. I love you all, but I, I just can't. Yeah. Well, you know, I don't know if Federico's discovered it yet because he's sort of in and out. Uh, so we'll see. He hasn't mm-hmm. texted me anything angry yet. Well, there was a funny thing with this. So I was listening to, uh, I just started listening to the last episode of, well, I think maybe two episodes ago of, of Canvas, where it's uh, Jason and Federico talking about shortcuts. Mm-hmm. It's co- yeah, it's a couple of weeks old. I'm still catching up, right, on my uh, post-honeymoon podcasts. 
And they just begin the episode talking about the fact that you shouldn't be on it. Yeah, I was supposed to be. <laughs> and like Federico talking about Disney, right. and I was like, wait a second. Like, just do a show with Jason. <laughs> it's way better. Yeah. And it was really, really good. We'll, we'll have a link to that, too. Um, it was. I learned a lot listening to Federico talk about uh, that stuff with Jason. It was good. All right. So uh, we are in August, and August is a very special time for us here at Relay FM because we celebrate our birthday. Um, or anniversary. And I have a question for you because I don't know how old our company is and I need you to help Four. me. Because I cannot work it Four out. Four years old. Four years mm-hmm. old. So are we celebrating our fourth birthday? Yes. Yeah. Or our See, because this is what I struggle with. It's like anniversary and birthday. Well, no, it's the same thing. Like, you don't, you don't celebrate zero. So you don't... Right. You, you know, you just got married like three days ago. That wasn't your zero anniversary. So it's it's next summer will be your one year anniversary. Same with your birthday. You don't celebrate. Right. Yes, because I knew I know that we started the company in two thousand and fourteen, yes. and I know it's twenty eighteen now. But I keep getting myself confused. And like, do we say the comp? So the company is about to be four, yes. right? Next Saturday, we are four yeah. on the eighteenth. All right, great. Well, now and to confuse on. it more, the company is older than the network because we didn't launch immediately. So. We yeah, celebrate but we it. don't count that. We celebrate it. We don't. We don't the count, day that we, we launched the network. The actual, because there wasn't really a, a specific day that it started. Yeah, it's whenever the state of Tennessee said, "Yes, you're a business. <laughs> Congratulations." No, I don't think that counts. I don't think <laughs> it, that counts. It legally counts. Tennessee don't rule me, man. It, it does. I'm my own man. Well, no, it doesn't. It thinks it does. It can't get me. Tennessee can't get me. I mean, I paid state taxes this week, so. They do. Yeah, but you, that's you. Anyways, what are we talking about? over here. It is our fourth anniversary. It's our fourth anniversary slash fourth birthday. And so a bunch of fun stuff happens in August. The biggest thing is uh, our special bonus episodes for our Relay FM members. We will talk about that more beginning next week. But one of the things that me and you always do is an annual Q&A. Now, we realized that our Q&A, I think, has been in different places almost every single year since it started. I think so. And this year's Q&A will be next week's episode of Connected. Mm-hmm. So if you would like to ask us a cue that we can A on that episode, send in uh, your questions over Twitter. Please use the hashtag RelayQA, so R-E-L-A-Y-Q-A, and we will answer as many of them as we can on next week's episode of Connected. And uh, it's always good. I really enjoy them. It gives us time to look over things. We can talk about things. If you have burning questions you want us to ask, you want us to know what we think about the industry, all of that stuff, hashtag RelayQA. And me and Federico, no, no, me and Stephen will be uh, doing that next week. What I was trying to say, and my brain jumped ahead, is Federico is back the week after. Mm -hmm. So... He's on vacation right now. So last week, his his equipment exploded. Now he's on vacation because it's going to be his 30th birthday. On Friday the 10th, Federico turns 30 years old. So please do your best to congratulate him on that achievement. He's going to freak out. Um, He's going to, you know, it's going to be, it's a big day. I mean, I remember I turned, I turned 30 many decades ago. About 15 years ago, (laughs) I think it was. So Federico turns 30. So everyone needs to congratulate mm-hmm. him on Friday the 10th. Wait, does that so mean he was 25 and we started podcasting together? You know that me and Federico are the same age, I know, right? but I don't like to think about it. 
Okay, cool. I just wanted you to just to know that that we are the same age. So young. But his birthday is in August and mine is in January. Yes. So, anyways, yes. So, send us your questions. It's always fun to uh, to sit down and sort through them and and talk about stuff. So that'll be next week. Yep. So look forward to that. All right, should we take our first break? Let's do it. This week's episode is brought to you by Squarespace. Make your next move with Squarespace so that you easily create a website for your next idea, project, and with a unique domain name, award-winning templates, and more, they will give you the place that you need to put your next thing online no matter what it is. They're an all-in-one platform that offers all of everything you're ever going to need for the web. Let's say you want to create a blog. Let's say you want to create a portfolio, a site for your business, a site for a wedding or an event, a site for your local club, or even a website to sell stuff. Squarespace has all of the functionality you're going to need for all of that. There's nothing to install or patch or upgrade or worry about because they've got it covered and then backed up with 24-7 customer support. I have used Squarespace for so many projects for like the last probably 10 years, I would say. I've probably been using Squarespace for about 10 years at this point. Like we just did our wedding website with them and it was so easy they have templates specifically for that so they even kind of helped us understand what a wedding website even needs to have squarespace plans start at just 12 dollars a month you can sign up for a trial today and you can check it out and customize your page and build it all up and then there's no credit card needed to do that just go to squarespace.com connected and sign up today then when you're ready to publish that site to the world just use the offer code connected and you'll get 10 percent off your first purchase of a website or domain and show your support for this show once again that is squarespace.com connected and then the code connected to get 10 percent off your first purchase i'll thank Thanks to Squarespace for the continued support of this show and Relay FM. Squarespace, make your next move, make your next website. So what have we got going on with rumors today? So I want to talk some about the iPhone. Like we said, we're, you know, a month or six weeks or something away from seeing the new phones from Apple. And about this time last year, some dummy models came out. And so these are like mock-ups of what people think they'll be based on all the leaks and uh, some YouTubers got a hold of them. We'll have a link to MKBHD's video. Uh, I saw Jonathan Morrison had them as well. Kind of a representation of what the phones would be like. They're not working phones, right? But they are no. sort of the enclosures. It's all kind of put together nicely. It seems like these are built by case manufacturers, right? Based upon leaks from the supply chain. That's where it seems like these are coming from. I think so, yeah. Which is... Super interesting, and previous years that this is, because I think you had these last year, at least just last year, um, this stuff tends to be pretty on the money because it is an incredible advantage for a case maker to have this, right? So they seem to be able to pay probably very large sums of money to people that are currently making these phones or know about them uh, so they can build prototypes and build their cases around them. So I am... My personal feeling is what what we're seeing in these videos is basically completely what we're going to see uh, I think in so. September. I think so. And th- these case manufacturers have a lot of incentive to get this right because if they can have cases ready to go, you know, three days before their competition, then that's, you know, potentially more sales for them, mm-hmm. uh, especially in a year where you have, we're going into this, new sizes, right? So it's, it's a little bit different when, you know, the... The iPhone 5 and 5S, basically the same, you know, but in years where we have model changes and, and, you know, we can get into what that entails and how this year may even be different from last year. 
it's important if you're a case maker to get out ahead of this stuff. So it makes sense. I'm sure this is like the tip of the iceberg when it comes to this industry, which I find I find really interesting. Like, who knows what the, <laughs> how this stuff comes out and and all sorts of like uh, I'm sure sort of shady things are mm-hmm. are going on behind the scenes and oh, in alleyways. Just and- like the worst right like it's just going to be the worst stuff these mock-ups fall in line with what we've heard and what we've seen before three new iphones this year uh an updated iphone 10 a iphone 10 plus and of course we don't know the name so that, you know it's iphone 10, you know iphone 10 2 and iphone 10 plus with a Assumingly, like iPhone 9, cheaper iPhone, in between the two, size-wise. And I I find this lineup incredibly interesting because it's really different than what we've seen from Apple in the past, where we've had, you know, until the 10, you had the regular size phone and the Plus phone for a little bit more. Spec-wise, they were basically the same. The Plus, you know, eventually got nicer cameras and stuff, but more or less the same phone. And now you have that being split by this phone in the middle that is potentially potentially drastically different. But uh, I'm curious what, what you think about that. Is it a – my first thought is, is it a mistake for the current iPhone 10 to be the smallest sized iPhone from here on out? Do you think this is weird that all the phones like are getting bigger from where we are now? This was interesting because we knew this, but – there was something about seeing it that made it more apparent, right? Like all of the rumors have said that there was going to be like the iPhone 9, we'll call it, right? Was going to be the this, this 6.1 inch LCD screen. It was like, well, obviously that's bigger than the 10, but we didn't really think about it, right? Like I, I think it just kind of was just until you see it, you kind of realize that, oh, it's wait. Hard, it's hard to visualize. Yeah, it's like, well, now this is what you get. So my expectation will be that they'll probably still sell something, right? You could probably still get like an eight, maybe, right? Yeah, I mean, it'll go down. It'll go down the wrong one, but I don't. I don't see a new phone at that size. Yeah, and the ten will probably get, or whatever there's going to be is going to be a little bit cheaper, right? There's probably going to be a sh- a shuffle down there at least. Yeah, I don't know. Like, does the ten as we know it now stick around, or does it? drop up to your point drop down in price or i think the 10 is going to stick around but practically nobody else agrees with me which is fine yeah i don't know like which is fine I, I, who, the, we're we're in uncharted territory now right this started with the with the iphone 8 being not the 7s and being different mm-hmm. in some pretty radical ways and now we have in my mind like the old playbook like we can't guarantee anything is going to happen the way it used to. And so, yeah, who knows what'll stick around? You know, maybe this iPhone 10 is the same we have now. And there's not actually a new 10 size phone. It's just the nine and the 10 plus. I mean, who knows? Like, I think anything is possible, but there's a shot in the MKBHD video where he has all three sizes stacked in his hand. It is a real smooth gradient in size from like the 10, we'll call it the nine and then the 10 plus. Like it is right in the middle I don't know. Like I just, I just don't know. And this is not me like, like trying to talk someone into the iPhone SE, but like the iPhone, you know, eight is a really nice size. And if you thin bezeled that design, I think a lot of people would be happy with that. But I just don't know if everything getting bigger, if the ten now being the smallest phone, is uh, 
is going to make everybody happy or not. So let me just say, because I'm I'm totally following you here, but the 10, it's not that much bigger than the 8, right? So you're looking at 0.2 inches in height and like 0.10 inches in width. So you're looking at 3 millimeters thicker, like in width, so I should say 3 millimeters wider and like 5 millimeters higher. Okay, so they're closer than I. I haven't held I haven't held a phone that size in a long time because my wife has an SE. It's the screen. The screen being bigger makes you think the phone's bigger. But an iPhone eight is one hundred and thirty eight millimeter, one hundred and thirty eight point four millimeters high, tall, and an iPhone ten is one hundred and forty three point six, and an iPhone eight is sixty seven millimeters wide, and the iPhone ten is seventy millimeters wide. So it's not really that much bigger at all, right? Okay. That makes me feel better then. Yeah, but I think the screen being bigger makes you feel like it's bigger and it's more expensive. So my kind of feeling on like, it makes sense to me that if they're only going to make one, that it sits in the middle of those two in size. Yeah, okay. I think you've talked me into it just because I I don't have a phone of that. I've actually, you know, except the iPhone 6, which I ended up moving to the 6 Plus, I've had Plus phones until this. And Mm -hmm. I think... Without that other size phone in my household, I sort of lost track of where things are. So yeah, so I think okay, so that works. The iPhone ten. The problem and these... might be the price, though, right? Well, because it's yeah. it, you know, if some people were buying the eight for price reasons, I think people definitely were. Then they're going to be in trouble because the ten, if it gets any cheaper or whatever, is you know, maybe it's the ten, maybe it's the ten S, whatever. It's not going to be that much cheaper. The cheaper one will be the nine, which will be bigger. Yes. So. That's going to be bigger still, you know. And these rumors are kind of they're kind of all over the place about what the what Apple could do to the nine to keep that price down. And so the the model show it just has a single camera as opposed to the dual camera mo- module on the ten. Uh, lots of rumors have said it's going to be an LCD display. And in this video, uh, MKBHD says that the the mock-up is a little bit thicker, and that would make sense with the LCD because you have to have a backlight. The bezels, you mean, right? The bezels. He said the phone itself is also a little bit thicker than the 10. Okay. uh, Yeah, which which you would need for the LCD. The bezels are a touch thicker. Again, you need that for the LCD because you've got to have backlight and stuff around the edges. Where an OLED, you can, you know, Apple's actually folding the OLED over uh, into the into the bottom, which is interesting. So the screen and the camera, two obvious places, right? To to cut expense, and you can make the phone cheaper. And and honestly, like. Apple's LCD, like the OLED is really good. I don't think I'd want to go back to an LCD phone, but people coming from, you know, an iPhone 6S or an iPhone 7, looking at the 9, it's going to be a better LCD than they have. So I think that's totally fine to still have an LCD phone, like at the top, you know, as a new phone, right? I don't think they have to go all OLED yet. In a couple years, I think that they may need to. But for now, like the LCD makes sense to me. I'm not bummed they're doing it i think it's a logical choice for this device looking at the people who are, will probably buy it i don't think many people can go from the iphone 10 this year to the iphone 9 next year um i just don't see that really happening you know i just stumbled upon something in my brain oh i think that that device will be called the iphone 9 because it will look like a bridge between the 8 to the 10 which was kind of the point Right, they were saying that the iPhone 10 was the future's phone, right? Like mm-hmm. it was multiple years ahead, 
And then if you looked back in history, you would see eight. And then from the eight, you go to the nine because it changed design, but still had an LCD and all that and a single camera. And then you go from the nine to the 10 and then the 10 got two cameras and it got an OLED screen and all that kind of stuff. So that's, that's, that seems interesting to me. Like I reckon it, I do now I've talked myself into believing that it will definitely be called the iPhone nine. Um, and then I don't know what they're going to do with the other names, but that's my that's my thinking. Apparently, uh, if there are going to be lots of bright colors, which was a rumor from previous, this is where we're going to see them. So it'll be in this device. Now, I don't know what that does to this device because I feel like it is probably a bad idea to do this. I don't think they should do the colors in just this one device because it seems counterintuitive to making the phone look this way. Like, you take all these steps to make the iPhone 9 look like an iPhone 10 but be cheaper. So then it looks like you've got a cool new phone, but it's cheaper for you to get it, right? But then if you make that one the only one that has red, blue, and orange, for example, if you bought the red, blue, and orange, you're going to be signaling the fact that you have the cheaper phone. And isn't that counterintuitive to the point of doing it? Well, it's it's the problem of the iPhone 5C where... yeah. You know the iPhone, and <clears throat> my argument assumes that the nine and the ten S have basically the same internal specs, same CPU. So the iPhone five and five S and five C were a little bit different in that regard. That the the iPhone five C was really an iPhone five with a new case. It didn't have the new processor. I think that nine will have all of the ten specs, including first gen Face ID. Right, that's what I'm saying. So, I th- so I think that's a little bit different than in the past. But what the, the mm-hmm. iPhone 5C signaled to people is that you bought the cheap one. It was plastic and not aluminum. And some people bought it because they liked the colors, but we know the 5C didn't didn't seem to sell as well as Apple maybe thought it would. It was gone pretty quickly. They haven't gone back to that, that sort of decision in their product line since. So maybe this is revisiting that. I honestly would like to see colors in in all three models you know I, I... well so would i yes that would be preferable right like i would really like that i mean it's very possible that if they do a gold 10 plus then i might go gold anyway yeah. but like i would like actual color like real yeah. color like it, it would be a bummer would be awesome. to me if like there was a blue and an orange iphone 9 available but not an iphone 10 or an iphone 10 plus like i would be annoyed about that mm-hmm but I do think that it's weird. Like, if if part of the reason that they they did this is because they wanted to make all these phones look the same for a status symbol perspective, which is one of the reasons you would do it, not the only, but one of singling like singling it out by giving it the color. I I don't think yeah. adds to that status symbol thing. No, it doesn't. So it, I don't it, know. It doesn't. And it, it does. It's the same. I think one of the downfalls of the five C. It's repeating that mistake because I think people looked at the five C. And the 5S, and if you saw a 5C, you knew that someone bought the cheap one. It was really, the 5C really jumped out at you because it was so bright. And this, obviously, Apple hasn't done a blue iPhone since. And so this would, I think they would repeat that. That I think what you're saying is a repeat of the 5C mistake. So we'll see where that goes. I mean, uh, like I said, I want colors everywhere. Uh, I don't know if I'd buy an orange or a blue phone, but I like the option. And I think people... We talked about this a lot. People like options. I mean, look at the Apple Watch. It's the reason they change the band so often and the case colors. Like People like personalizing their technology based on the color. This is why there's so many cases in the Apple store. You walk in, Apple makes their leather and silicon cases in like 15 different colors because people, you know, you know they highly like this yellow one. I'll put the yellow one on my phone, and now my phone is yellow because most people have cases. And bringing that to the phone itself is something they haven't done much except that one that one year. 
There's also the idea of a face ID. So there's a lot of, we're going to into the iPad, but there's a lot of evidence building that the iPad face ID system will be rotation agnostic. So right now, if I am, I need to be oriented the same way my iPhone 10 is for it to unlock. I discovered this when I was doing my iPhone 10 like review, like unboxing videos where I had the iPhone in a tripod mount talking to it. The iPhone was in landscape and I'm standing up. It wouldn't unlock with my face. I had to like turn the phone so it lined up with me. And that doesn't really work on the iPad, a, a device that is very often in landscape, but can also be used, it can be used any way, right? There's no right way or wrong way to hold an iPad really. And there's evidence that Face ID and the iPad will overcome this, that it can, it doesn't matter where you are in orientation to the iPad. And maybe that could be coming to the new phones. And so maybe that's another way to keep the cost down on the nine is to have like Face ID generation one, if you will. And then Gen 2 Face ID coming to the uh, the 10s and the 10 plus being a little more flexible and in, in where you are in in space to the phone. Yeah, I, I do wonder if it's hardware or software was the limit for it. But nevertheless, I think they will say these new phones have it, and like the old phone won't have it. Yeah, even if it's the same hardware, they could say, well, it's a software yep. difference. <laughs> yeah, and then it's just like, oh, well, it's just in these phones. These phones. Right. Or there might be some kind, it might need additional processing power that a new chip will offer. We don't know. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I, I guess it's, it's. I think we can naturally assume that the 10S, say, the 10 Plus, will get the new chip, which will probably be the same chip that's in the new iPads. Like mm-hmm. what is it? A twelve, A twelve X, something like that. Yeah, um, which is going to be what seven nanometer? I think is the rumor, which is you know could be Crazy. very interesting. Like could make some big some big jumps. So we'll see that. But let's talk about the phone that everyone really cares the most about, which yes. is an iPhone ten plus. Yes, six point five inch display. <laughs> that is that's a big All boy. Right, so like that's gonna be pretty intense because oh, so here's the thing, right? So. This will actually be smaller than the 8 Plus. It's physically smaller, but the screen's bigger. So I think the one-handedness will be worse because you have more of the you have more space to cover mm-hmm. um, than you did with because you never really you never touched the top of the bus phone, right? There's nothing up there, like right, the forehead. Like yep. So it's going to be super interesting to see how that is uh, how that comes to light. But without seeing it, I don't need to see it to know I'm buying mm-hmm. it. Right, is what I want. I want a bigger screen. So the screen like is insanely large, right? So MKBHD in his video, he puts the, the 10 plus model next to an 8 plus and then kind of overlays a screen on top of the, you know, like an in digitally overlays a screen. And you see that size difference? My word. Um, which is it's just wild. But the physical size difference between the 10 and the 10 plus is one diagonal inch. It's not that much. Like you, when he when he puts the two phones together, the size difference is way smaller than it was between the regular phone and the plus mm-hmm. phone, like in previous years, which I think is very exciting. Uh, I am, I cannot wait. I cannot wait for that because that six and a half inch screen, that's wild. That's nearly an iPad Mini. It's nearly an iPad yeah, Mini. I like, remember that product. Oh, I'm so excited. This it remains an important product in the I don't even like think it got important. Products. I think it just it still exists. 
It didn't get anything. They've never. They don't yeah. say anything about that. I, I, I too am tempted by this. I um. I like the iPhone 10 size, and I can operate it more or less with one hand if I sort of jostle it around. But having that bigger screen, but especially the bigger battery, is uh, is always a, a an upside to the Plus phone. It's one reason I switched to the Plus so many years ago. And yeah, I think I would definitely be interested in it. I, I don't. I think I could order it without seeing it. But I think if you're on the fence about it, just like before. Oh yeah, don't yeah go it's and worth see it. <laughs> waiting, going to a store, and handling them both because if the if the relative difference is like the six and the six plus you do have to like retrain your hand and you have to sort of figure it out because it is, it is even though it's just an inch more diagonal, it is noticeable in a lot of circumstances and it's worth, if you're unsure, checking it out because you can definitely be surprised by the, the larger size. Plus club's going to come back in a very, very big way. I'm excited. I think so. So this would be the one you would do. This is it. There's no choice. Like, this is what I'm going to go for, right? Like, th- this is not a question for me, right? Like, I will get the plus phone. Like, I will, I'll get the biggest one. I always want the biggest screens I can have. Mm-hmm. Um, and this this will be no different to that. I always, I'm, I'm always happy to go for bigger screens because the, the trade-offs for me are never as large as, the, as what you, you know. Yeah. Like, I always want the bigger screen more than I care about the trade-off. That's fair. 27-inch iMac, 12-inch iPad. Yeah. 6.5 inch phone. Yeah. Oh, it's going to be crazy. It's going to be wild around here. I want to talk about dual SIM. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Because this has been the, this has been something that's been prevalent, right? Dual SIM, that the iPhone is going to have a dual SIM. And that was kind of all it was. And then over time, it's like, well, what one's going to have dual SIM? And will it really? And then there's been some stuff floating around of like clearly dual SIM support in iOS. And why is this anyway? Why do people even care about this? Well, it turns out that dual SIM support, so having two SIM cards in a phone, is very, very popular in China. Apparently, somewhere between three to four billion people in China have phones with multiple sims in them or require multiple sims so this is a big deal and like there are these different ways of doing it and it seems kind of unsure which apple's going to do yet where either you have to make a switch between them or they kind of both run concurrently um but now the news report seems to suggest something that makes so much more sense to me that this will be a unique version of the lcd iphone so the iphone 9 only available in china so everywhere else except for China, it will have a single SIM. But in China, there'll be an option or it will come as default with, a, with dual SIM support. This makes so much sense. They clearly have enough people to sell to them that it warrants doing a specific one-off version in the same way that they did the Verizon iPhone, right? Yep, it was I, I had one. <laughs> only really in the US, right, that it could be used. Um, but frankly, this would be a kind of weird and eccentric feature for pretty much everybody else in the world. Like most yeah. of the world, especially in the Western world, this is not a thing. Dual SIM cards, like it's not a thing. People have two phones, but they don't think about dual SIM cards. It's just, it doesn't really make sense. I think for what, I don't know the actual reasons why, and I'm sure there are very good reasons why people do this um, in China, but Outside of China, you know, if people have two numbers, it's typically because they want two phones, right? Like there's a thing about having multiple phones. You want multiple handsets, multiple suppliers or whatever. Um, Or you just need, you know, you have specific day needs and night needs, whatever it is that that occurs in your life. Day sim, night sim, really. 
Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, so this is likely now and makes so much more sense to me that it will just be a uh, a model for China only. Yeah, I think it makes sense. I wonder if it should be in the LCD phone or the nice one. Um, there's a, There's a lot of discussion in the Asian markets about, you know, about pe- people's preference and size of phone and uh, as well as having something that looks new, you know, the, the idea that you can look at it and, and, and maybe the nine works there because they have the colors, you know, maybe they're leaning yeah. into that yeah. and not so much that it's the absolute latest and greatest. You know, China is a huge market for Apple and they need to reach those people who aren't using iPhones. You know, if the iPhone is going to grow in terms of user base, substantially anymore it's going to be in places like china and so to to have something that caters to that market uh it, it makes a ton of sense you know i i wonder if there are people in other parts of the world that could benefit from it i know i have no need for dual sim like i i it, i don't even know what i would do with it but i i do wonder if it should be at least an option elsewhere i don't think it's the thing people are really clamoring for outside of it like i, yeah. I don't think that that's the thing yeah right like uh, I just, I never, I've never seen a phone for sale in the UK or the US which has two SIMs in it. I'm sure that it exists. I've just never come across it. And there isn't even a thing, you know, I watch a lot of uh, reviews of Android phones. It's never mentioned as a feature, right? Like typically what you see is a SIM card and an SD card or something right. like that. Yeah, expandable right? storage. But. Yeah, and I think what happens is like maybe, it, maybe in China, if that phone sold, there's actually two SIMs that go in there, right? But it, this is not a thing that I see anywhere else. Like I, I've never come across it. Um, there's a couple of extra things on iPad rumors. So uh, it's been discovered by a friend of the show, Guillermo Rambo, uh, that in the simulator for iOS 12 beta five, you can get an iPad size both a home indicator and rounded corners in apps and multitasking. And I've been poking around a little bit, and there are hints of rounded corners throughout iOS 12 anyway, like simulator or not on the iPad, uh, which makes perfect sense because then it would meet the new style of the OLED phones with the small bezels. They have rounded corners, not sharp corners. So just yet again, more and more evidence, uh, new evidence now for this um, which also continues with these uh, glyphs, these device-sized glyphs, uh, which were also discovered by by uh, Rambo's at underscore inside on Twitter. Found a couple of things. One was uh, these payment glyphs, which was how he found the iPhone 10 one. Do you remember like just showing the outline of the notch? Mm-hmm. It's the exact same thing. It was a payment glyph, um, and he's found a new iPhone 10. Um, what appears to be an iPhone 10 Plus, and then something which was super weird to see at first, which was the iPad glyph, which is a square, and it uh, sent me into a tizzy, right? Like, a square iPad? Like, why would that be? But then uh, more smart people, uh, you can see it in the, in the replies to the tweet, are saying, oh, but this is probably just one glyph, which is then resized. Yeah. Depending on whether it's a bigger or a smaller iPad. And it was like, oh, good phew. I was a little bit concerned that we were going to get a square iPad. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, that, that that's kind of, again, just more and more uh, evidence for these new iPads, which should be coming kind of around the same time in September. Maybe they do in October with Max. Who knows? Uh, it, that mm. debate is endless of, of what they put in conjunction with the iPhone. 
and they've done a bunch of stuff with the iPhone. They've had just iPhone events, you know, two, I guess three years ago now, they did the big iPad Pro, the Apple TV, and the iPhone success. Like, they can do whatever they want, and they've done stuff all over the map. So who knows what will actually happen. I don't know. A significant redesign to the iPads would call for a lot of attention, and the best attention you can give it is the iPhone. Maybe. We will see. I just won an October event because I went Max on stage, and hopefully there's uh you can they can still do something hopefully there's no new uh there are new Macs to talk about if not people are gonna be sad my big question with the ipad is i'm not convinced that turning the ipad into a big iphone 10 is the right answer you know there are changes in ios 12 to the way the gestures work and they put they broke apart multitasking and control center it's in the upper right hand corner just where it is on the phone the menu bar looks like it it's uh, like it is in the iPhone 10 and i understand wanting visually things to kind of be the same these iPads aren't not rumored to have notches like whatever bezel they have will accommodate the face id hardware just fine they won't need to cut into the screen anywhere which would look weird on an iPad anyways but i don't know as someone who uses an iPad way more than i do like do you have any feelings about them sort of grafting on the iPhone 10 stuff to to the ipad because last year uh now still unless you're running the ios 12 beta if you have an iphone 10 ipad some of the gestures are in direct competition with each other right some things do exactly the a different thing uh if you sit your phone down to your and pick up your ipad and i was hoping they would sort of meet in the middle and maybe the iphone 10 would get things like putting control center in a place that makes sense and the iPad can maybe pick up some stuff. But it seems like the iPhone 10 is the way forward when it comes to gestures. Do you have any any thoughts? I think it's fine. I think from a hardware perspective, it's the perfect answer because the iPhone 10 hardware is incredible. So if they can make an iPad, which is similar to in hardware, it's amazing. When it comes to software, so Control Center, putting Control Center where it is, I think is the right move because uh, I like it more now. It makes more sense to me because it's exactly where I use it on my iPhone. I'm I'm not a huge fan of the changes that they made um, to swiping up takes you to home rather than bringing up the dock. You have to do like a slower, more considered swipe to get to the dock because I believe that the dock is makes more the most sense for the iPad. However, there are a lot of people that seem to be upset about the when the iPhone 10 came out that it was had completely different gestures to the iPad and people were getting turned off of using their iPads because it was so confusing whilst I never felt that and never fully understood it if that is a thing that has happened and I believe that Apple know that then yes they should change the the iPad's gestures to make it best for most people like if if there are a lot of people that that really didn't like the difference like that the, the, these gestures were different then I figure it's probably the right thing to do, even though I don't personally like it. That's fair. I think it's more important that they are the same across the devices than if like the specifics are to my liking. You know, I think the uniformity is the ultimate goal. Yeah, and frankly, like the the iPhone and the iPad are different, but they're not that different, right? Like, and and there should be uniformity. And then what I expect is iOS 13 will take some huge leaps in some directions and then 14 will bring it back together a little bit more again. And that's just kind of how we're going to go now. And I'm fine with that. Yeah. Well, there you go. Uh, This is the beginning of what will be rumor month (laughs) on all the Apple podcasts and websites. So it's just the beginning. 
Enjoy. Today's show is also brought to you by Linode. With Linode, you'll have an access to a suite of powerful hosting options with prices starting at just $5 a month, and you'll be up and running them with your own virtual server in the Linode cloud in under a minute. Linode has hundreds of thousands of customers who are all serviced by their friendly 24-7 support team. You can email them, call them, or even chat over IRC in the Linode community. That's how important it is that they feel to get you the help that you want. They know that this is something that you're going to need. And if they, if you have a question, they want to get it to you. But if you're just the type of person that likes to look through stuff and find out on your own, Linode have a suite of amazing guides and support documentation available to give you a reference when and where you need it. Linode has an intuitive control panel, which will allow you to deploy, boot, resize, snapshot, and clone your virtual servers in just a few clicks. And they feature two-factor authentication to keep you safe. Linode is amazing for tasks like hosting large databases, running... A mail server operating a VPN, running Docker containers, hosting a private Git server, and so much more. Their plans start at one gigabyte of RAM for just $5 a month, and they offer high memory plans starting with 16 gigabytes of RAM. As a listener of this show, you can sign up today at linode.com slash connected, and this way you'll be supporting the show, but also getting $20 towards any Linode plan. And if you choose the one gigabyte of RAM plan, that will get you four free months of service. And with a seven-day money-back guarantee, there's nothing to lose. So go to linode.com, that's L-I-N-O-D-E.com slash connected to learn more, sign up and take advantage of that $20 credit or use the promo code connected 2018 at checkout. Our thanks to Linode for their continued support of this show and Relay FM. So we thought we would talk a little bit about some app news. Federico's not here, so there's no one there's no one covering the apps, and so we thought we would. Some stuff that we use and we like. Should we tell some stories for these apps? We saw some stories about apps. Now there's a name for that. So we're gonna start with Instapaper. We spoke about this a while back, but they are uh, independent. Instapaper's been kind of, per, I guess, I guess, purchased and removed from the cold dead hands of Pinterest, and is now back independent, owned and operated by the people who are working on it within Pinterest, including some friends of ours. And they have announced some changes this week. They have returned to the paid subscription model, and so if you want things like full text search, unlimited notes. Speed reading, no ads uh, on the website. You can pay two ninety nine a month or thirty bucks a year. And this had been removed from Instapaper when Pinterest took over. They made everything free, and now this is sort of back in. If you need those features, you can do it. Uh, those purchases are not available as an in app purchase. There was a tweet from one of the developers saying they uh, hadn't gotten to that yet, but they they were looking into it. You can do it on the web. Uh, it's hand, the payment's handled by Stripe. Of course, doing that way, Apple's not taking their cut, so all of it is going to to the developers. And, you know, I, I've used Instapaper. I've talked about this. I've used it since the day it came out, and it's been on my home screen and my phone and iPad ever since. And uh, this is something that I'm, that I'm probably going to do because I want it to be successful. It's not necessarily any of the features, but I want them, and I want this app to be around. And uh, the news also came that they have done whatever they needed to do to become GDPR compliant. Uh, Instapaper was more or less unavailable in the European Union. We are, we got a bunch of tweets and stuff, people saying, well, I see it, but I don't. And it seemed like maybe that was a little weird, but um, that's all been fixed. It's now fully available in Europe again. And they had, they had a what I thought was a pretty straightforward apology about uh, that delay. 
And on top of that apology, they are giving six months of free premium users, uh, a free premium like uh, membership, membership, I guess. Yeah, to users in the in the European Union, which I think is a really, I think it's a classy move. I think that's nice. Uh, they did the right thing, you know. Like they, they never should have gotten themselves into the situation that they did, and it shouldn't have taken as long as it did. I understand uh, that there was obviously some stuff going on, right? Which probably was part of the reason that led to this even happening in the first place, right? That that it seems to have been bought or just released to this company. I'm still a little bit like confused as to what's going on there, right? Like I don't know if it's clear if the people that are working for this company, Instant Paper Inc if they still work for Pinterest or not. Like, I, I don't know if it is clear what is happening there. Like, if is this a side project? Is this a business? It's not important. I just wonder. Like, I, I don't know. Um, so, like, you know, because then it's like, if this is these people's jobs now, then it becomes more intriguing. It's still like you, you would believe that they're really going to try and push this thing to make it very sustainable for them in the long term. But um, anyway, I think giving the six-month free for eu users a good move i think it's the right thing to do um yeah i think because it's been a very very long time what since april yeah or something so, yeah yeah april may since gdpr came in and they've if there's still a bunch of websites i go to man and i can't and it tells me i can't access them like newspapers like la times i can't go to the la times just can't go to it it's just like oh no you're in the eu so we can't help you basically any trunk site is like i can't go to it I just can't believe it. I just can't believe. <laughs> like, what are you doing? Like, and it's also like a bunch of companies, like a bunch of websites I go to now where it throws up that dialogue box. I'm like, what? What are you? What are you doing? Anyway, um, but I wanted to ask you because I haven't really paid attention to Instapaper for a long time because I just don't use services like this. All of the features, so full text search, unlimited notes, text to speech player, speed reading, uh, and send to Kindle. Were they available for free before? They, I believe, uh, uh, so don't uh, don't take this as gospel, but I believe that they these things were part of the previous premium subscription, and then when newspaper went all free, everybody got this stuff, and now right. So they've taken what was premium that went free, they've put it back behind premium again. I, think okay i out of all of these features i use actually none of these like i don't have any notes in this paper i actually don't use this paper for search very often or if i do you know it's not hard to find stuff i don't i really dislike speed reading and i don't send stuff to my kindle so i don't i don't actually know but that is my that's my feeling these aren't all new features these things have existed in the app so I believe that that they were all free before. So yeah, that's rough. And if you look at the at the comments on this blog post, like there are a bunch of really angry people in here. Instant Paper has a a real uphill battle in terms of whatever happened with GDPR and making it right with those users and saying, hey, this was free. Now it's paid again. They got a lot of stuff to they have a lot of stuff to overcome. And I hope they can do it. I really do. But if they can't, I'm not going to be super shocked looking at the reaction to this because people are rightfully so um, really, uh, really upset because, you know, uh, 
going back and forth like this and then being down for a bunch of your users for two months is not a great look. Yeah. And then even stuff like you can't buy a subscription in the app right now, which is something that they're looking to change. But like they, they should have had that even if Apple took the cut charge more or something, they should have had that. If I, I went to the app looking, oh, I'll just do it and I'll just do it as an in-app subscription. And the fact that that's not there and it's only on the web is that like, you know, they said, oh, we ran out of time. It's like, well, you control the schedule. Like if you needed another week, t- wait a week. I don't think it's about that. My guess is it's really about the income generated from it and putting it on the web versus Apple's cut. I kind of think that may come out in the wash that if it was in the app, more people would do it more quickly because you don't have to deal with Stripe and like going to a website. If you're just on your phone, it's in the app. It's easy to do. And so I, I wonder if that's the right call. I kind of think it's not, but but I don't know. I mean, I don't know their numbers. They do. Um, whatever happens, though, I, I would imagine that who whoever joins this like paid subscription thing for Instapaper, that number is going to be way lower than it was before because of all this this damage that's been done to the app and its reputation over the last three or four years. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, I mean. You know, I, I balance all that. I mean, I don't mean to be a uh, a downer. I balance all that with the the guys who are working on it. Um, you know, I know them a little bit, but like they're clearly passionate about it because if you know they, at least Brian, I believe, followed the app to Pinterest from BetaWorks and now owns it. Um, and I believe they're not. I believe they have left Pinterest as employees. I'm not. I don't know that for sure, but that's the sense I get. To right, do so that, Brian's like contract expires <laughs> Pinterest and he just bought the company and left. Yeah, maybe. Which is totally fine to do, right? But right. like that's clear that to me that's clearly what happened. Yeah, but but also clear like they clearly care about the product and Yeah, yeah, of course. And they want it to exist. Because most apps, we're gonna talk about an app in a second that's dead. Instapaper should have died a long time ago, probably. Most apps would not have survived this many handoffs and the, this many acquisitions and changes. Maybe their consistency and, hey, the same team is working on it. Maybe that's a good thing. And so, you know, I'm going to continue to use it as long as I can. And hopefully that's hopefully that's a really long time from now. Hopefully they can they can get another decade or more out of this app. But I think they've got a lot of stuff to overcome in the short term before they can move on to that sort of long-term thinking. So as well as – so there's a bunch of other stuff today. Uh, Castro, which is a really beautiful podcast app uh, for the iPhone, has a couple of interesting features added to it. One of them is uh, sideloading of files, which I think is super cool. Um, so this allows you uh, to save an audio file from any um, iOS or macOS device to a folder that's created in iCloud Drive. So Castro has a folder in iCloud Drive. So you could, for example, download an audiobook on your Mac, and if it's DRM-free, you could save it into the iCloud Drive folder, and then when you go to Castro on your iPhone, it's going to show up there, and then you can play it, and that's really cool. I love this feature. Um, I very frequently use um, Overcast's uh, upload feature, Same. but adding that this being an iCloud Drive is a lot more convenient. 
um, than than uploading it to the website to the Overcast website. Just for me, this makes more sense, especially when dealing with things on iOS. You know, if I got a fault something in iOS in Dropbox, I could just drag it in files into the iCloud drive, and it would just show up. Like that, that is more yeah. convenient. I think this is a really cool feature. Yeah, I mean, the way I often do it is I'll have something in Dropbox and either on my Mac or it works on iOS as well because of Files app. You got to go Overcast website and upload it. This is something that I think I think Overcast. I think Marcus should look at for Overcast. I I use this feature all the time, and I I understand. Mm-hmm. I would imagine the vast majority of users don't. Like I would venture to no. guess that it's like single digit percentage of Overcast users or or Castro even sideload files. But for those of us who do, I I, I wish it was. Um, simpler or even like having a a url of a file if it's on the web somewhere and just giving that url to your podcast client and it is downloading it directly right now you can use something uh like huff duffer for that but more ways to get audio into podcast apps is good and of course the castro team those guys do amazing work all this is like super well polished and it's it comes with like the level of niceness that you would expect from an app as beautiful as castro they also added uh, a feature, like, what do they call it, chapter pre-selection. pre-selection. Mm-hmm. So you can go in to their chapter view, and uh, in Castro, chapter selection and skipping and stuff like that is only available to their uh, premium members. Did I call it premium? I, something, they have a term. I, I think know. it's... Uh, it's You know what premium means. You know what it means yeah. if, you, if you pay them. Yeah. And, Castro uh, Crew. I think That's what they should have called Plus. it. Castro Crew. I don't think they should have called it that. I think I think it's really good. I think it's Castro Plus because they have app icons and one of them is a plus. Yeah, it's called Castro Plus. Um, so if you use the Castro Plus thing, if you pay for that, you can get chapters. And then now you can, there's little check boxes and you can untick chapters. So you could go in and be like, I don't care about follow-up. You know, you what? go like, oh, I don't care about... Uh, Mac or oh, anything that everyone Mike has cares. to say. Everyone you know, cares so. about the both of those things. <laughs> uh-huh. So you could just look at it and you could untick a bunch of chapters. Um, of course, you could do this if a show has ads. You could do that too. I would recommend. I would love it if you didn't do that. Um, but what you're going to do? Um, so you can go in and you can uncheck stuff. And so this could be like, say, you're getting in a car, you're going to the gym or whatever. There's things you just don't want to hear. You can uncheck them beforehand, press play and let it run. Yeah, it's a nice it's a nice addition, and again, it it I love the screen for it. Like it's really nice. The interaction is is really fun. Um, yeah, you know, chapters are here to stay. We've we're, we're doing them in, in a lot of our shows and where they where they make sense. And uh, I think better ways to manage that is, is fair game. You know, if you're going to chapterize a podcast, part of that equation is it does make people easier to skip around. And you know, I'm I'm. I'm fine with that. Uh, I understand that's part of the medium. And the reality is that the, the, the numbers show that most people listen to most of the content in most episodes. So like, I'm not, I'm not worried. This is suddenly going to like tank or like drastically change the way people listen. Uh, because you can do this in other apps just manually. Like there, there twist is that you can do it on the front end, which is clever, mm-hmm. but I don't think it's really introducing anything all that new from like a producer perspective. While we're talking about podcasting, Mike, I have good news. Skype 7 has gotten a, a new lease on life. 
for now. So this is this is the quote from Microsoft. We will extend support for quote some time. Who knows what that means? I assume that means the end of the year. Um, So Skype Seven. No one likes Skype, but Skype Seven is a pretty okay version of Skype in most people's eyes. Uh, I was using Skype Six for a really really long time. And now I'm on eight, which is the current version, and it's um, it's not awesome. It's got some weird things like alerts kind of don't work, so you have to be looking at it's Skype. Some <laughs> kind of cross-platform app. I don't know what this cross-platformness is, but it's some kind of cross cross-platformy stuff. And this, when it first came out, this new version of Skype, which is eight, there Gu- was a bunch of weird what it's stuff. Built on, you can it. guess. Is it Electron? It is. I'm looking in the Frameworks folder. Oh, I didn't know mm-hmm. that. So Skype is now an Electron app. And there's a bunch of stuff. Like, it doesn't have a traditional preference pane. They had to add in this weird zombie preference pane because you couldn't change audio inputs. Like, there's a bunch of stuff in this app which is not good. Frankly, I don't like this. This this Skype 7 read decision. I wish they would just make a definitive decision on it so then people can make up their minds about what they want to do. I don't like this. We're going to kill it. Oh, no, now we're going to keep it for some time like either do it or don't do it um and then just be up front with your customers because like if they if they're just going to keep screwing around with it then people can decide to go elsewhere if they want to but i really don't right. like this kind of like stringing along that they've been doing for multiple years now with with skype yeah. about trying microsoft clearly have a route they want to go down if they either go down that route or don't like Microsoft is so bad with this stuff. Either go down that route or don't go down that route. Look at look at Windows eight. <laughs> you exactly. Know. Like you have to make a decision. Stop making decisions, annoying people, and then changing your mind. Like you should know your decisions are going to annoy people before you make them because you should have a lot of smart people there who understand what's going to happen. And if you know that, just weather the storm because everyone will forget about it eventually. Right. Yep. Like just make a decision like i hate this like <laughs> make a decision go back on it make a decision go back on Agreed. it like just do it or don't do it and then let people fall where they will you're right microsoft's really bad at it apple is not apple maybe on the other end of the spectrum march forward and uh you can run classic for a few years and you can run rosetta for a few years but eventually we're going to kill that stuff because the future is where we're going and uh come on or get left behind and i don't know i mean Skype 8 is not a great program. It's not like it's, like you said, it's, it's weird and it's electronic, which is gross, but it gets the job done. And so I'm staying on 8 at this point because I don't want to get used to like the old way again and then be forced back into this. So like my tools still work in it. I've learned its its weirdness and, and where it can get tripped up. And I'm just, I'm staying with it for now. The Newton email app is dead. It's dying, gone away. Yeah. There's going to be no more. Not staying um, with Newton anymore. It's uh, no. it's shutting down on September 25th. Now, I never used this. Did you use this in your great like email spiritual oh, journey? I tried it. And for a reason that I don't remember, it didn't stick with me. <laughs> um, Newton used to be called Cloud Magic. That's right. And, you know, And they rebranded. Um so they said in their blog post they had 40,000 paying subscribers, but they couldn't figure out long-term profitability for the Yikes. company. Um, I think it is unclear from the way that they've written this as to whether they still had 40,000 paying subscribers. They kind of referenced that at one point they had 40,000 paying subscribers. Yeah. Because really, if they had 40,000 paying subscribers, 
they sh- I can't understand how they didn't work out to keep the company going. Yeah. Because that's a lot of people paying you money. It is. And I don't think Newton's very cheap. I think that was one of the reasons that I was put off from it, which is like it didn't offer me all the features I wanted. And it was relative, and it was pretty expensive for what I thought I was getting. I think mm-hmm. that was one of the reasons that it turned me off. Because like a lot of the features that they were promoting just didn't work for what I wanted. Um, they uh, they kind of made the point, and I think this is the the biggest problem here. Premium email apps and services cannot compete with free services, and the free services are owned by companies like Apple and Google. Oh yeah, little startups. <laughs> <laughs> right they all offer free email like for yeah. people and for the majority of people all they need is what gmail provides them totally gmail is very full featured um they are going to be offering refunds for their for the rest of their customers outstanding subscriptions they said they're working with apple and google on this i don't understand how that's going to really help them but like fine they're going to try and find a way to give people their money back which i think is great my question is are email apps going the way of photo backup solutions yeah, and I think for I think for the reason that you said, these apps have to compete with first party solutions. So like mail apps not great for everyone, but it works for the vast majority of people. And if it doesn't work, you can install the Gmail app, which works with like the most popular email service on the planet really well. And the, these companies have to like find a leg in to like do something that the default apps don't do. And so like spark, for instance, which we've talked about, we use it relay because of like, they're like chat and like behind the scenes features. So like we can work together on a response to an email or have a conversation about something in like a side rail. And then we go back to the email when it's time instead of like bouncing out to Slack spark has carved itself out a little spot. And I don't know if spark's going to be successful long-term, but for now, they seem to be, and they are they are targeting like business use cases. Newton and probably Airmail, I think, are different than that because it. I think their market is like nerds. Like, I was going to say email enthusiasts, but no one is an email enthusiast. But people who want people a know more features are out there and they exist and want those features, and that's got to be a small number of people. And yeah, I think I think just at the end of the day, whatever's built in or provided for free by the your service that you use, that's what people are going to go with. I, mean, I know people who have used Gmail on their phone because they don't know that e- the, the mail app works with Gmail. So they're like, oh, I have Gmail. I download the Gmail app, and they use it for years, and they're totally fine. It's a good app, and I, I'd imagine it's hard to compete with that. And I think you're right. A lot of mail apps, there's a lot of carcasses of email apps stacking up around here, and it's uh, it's starting to be worrisome i think that really the only way to survive is to offer some kind of business or sales focused features yeah you know i don't know what spark is doing you know like i don't know how they're doing but i think what they are doing makes the most sense for today Mm -hmm. right like you put a team on it the team pays for it and they get something that they need right right although i will say i am using it but i'm not paying for it because their free tier gives me absolutely everything that i need mm-hmm. and i don't understand why i i don't know why they offer their team stuff for free i don't understand it because i would pay for it yeah no we absolutely would but what i get for paying for it i don't need it like i'm planning to i i've just remembered i was planning to sign up for their paid thing just to give them money but i don't think they need a free version of it at all 
It seems strange to me. I'm going to write down note now. Got to pay. Got to sign up to pay for Spark. There you go. But it's like I just I don't understand why they even offer a, a free thing. They should offer a trial, like for a time period, yeah. so people can try it out. But I don't know why they offer a free tier permanently. It seems strange to me. Uh, and talking about things dying, uh, third-party Twitter clients as we know them, it's all about to change. Next week is when Twitter intends to make their API changes that we spoke about some number of weeks ago that are going to affect the way that third parties access the service. So what, let me tell you what you're going to see. You're going to see delays on alerts and notifications and mentions and DMs, and timeline streaming will stop working. So the Icon Factory, who owns Twitterific, they started their preparation for this a few weeks back, and they did two things. They removed their watch app because this was powered by the streaming API, and new customers were no longer able to access Today View or get push notifications at all. So come back to that in a second. Tabbots, they've not been as succinct as the Icon Factory, right? Because the Icon Factory put this all in a blog post. But Tapbots have some wording on their FAQs and in some tweets that they've been sending via the support channels. So you can kind of piece together a little bit about what's going on there. So they say, uh, Tapbots have said, in the worst case scenario, we won't be able to show notifications for likes or retweets or notifications for tweets, mentions, DMs, and follows should be delayed by one to two minutes. So I don't really feel like I understand what's going on here because Icon Factory and Tapbots seem to be saying things differently because the Icon Factory completely removed push notifications for new users. But for Tabbots, they're saying that there will still be tweet mentions and DM notifications and follows, but they're going to be delayed. So like, I'm not completely sure what's going on. Like, is one of them wrong? Is one of them either acting too quickly or not enough? Like, it's a little bit confusing to me because the two companies that, really this seems to affect the most, at least in our space, seem to be reacting to this news very differently. Um, Tabbots have also stated that Twitter will remove timeline streaming. They haven't said what's going to happen to their activity or their stats screen, which I assumed was powered by timeline streaming. Yeah. Right? That's why Twitterific had to get rid of theirs. So either the Icon Factory is overreacting or Tabbots is underreacting or it's somewhere in the middle of it. Yeah, I mean, we'll, we will know shortly... So say that Tapbots is right, that some streaming stuff will still work, but it's delayed. I wonder if Tapbots looked at that and said, it's a cleaner experience, more predictable if we just ax all of it. And, or maybe they thought, hey, you know. That it's, doesn't um, seem right to me. Because the things that like Tapbots are saying you'll still get notifications for is probably the things people want notifications for the most. DMs, mentions, like, but they're just coming through slower. But is a one to two minute delayed notification better than no notification? I don't know. Um, I would say yes, it is worth it. Like a delay of two minutes is better than nothing. I mean, if Tabbots is right and they still offer some notifications and Twitterific offers none, that looks real bad That's, on Twitterific. It probably will kill Twitterific, and, honestly. And, and, and maybe it's... Um, because people will blame them. Yeah. Maybe that's okay with the icon factory i don't know I don't, I don't know if they're trying to like scuttle the app or not but you know this has been coming for a long time but i still think people are going to be surprised and i wouldn't want to be in support for either of these apps when this happens in a couple of weeks um because yes, people are going to be surprised because like the amount of people that actually notice information that use these applications is a minuscule percentage 
Mm-hmm. Because as well, when you it like and again, like the people that even get told this information seem to have very different understandings of it, right? Or someone like, or maybe like tapbots have got something special. Like we don't know, but it. I just looked at this news. I compared what's going on here, and it doesn't make sense to me. So like, Twitter is making these changes, but two companies that in theory offer the same thing seem to be reacting to it very differently. Yeah. So I am very keen to see what happens next week. Yeah, me me too. And you know, I like Tweetbot, but Tapbots is not always the most communicative. Communicative. How do you say that? Uh, yeah. Sure. Sure. Um, they're not the most forthcoming with information at all at all the time. They're 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 customer facing communication is not always clear or timely and uh so who knows it's probably somewhere in the middle and um i guess the bad news is we're all gonna find out soon enough i mean is this gonna i say that but is this gonna really drastically change the way you use twitter like i don't have any notifications on except for dms and very few people dm me and none of those are life or death so if it's a little bit slower i don't see them for a little while it's not the end of the world. Um, what about you, or like, what about people at large? Like, I understand most people don't have the notification problems we do because we have larger followings. Yeah, but. I don't want to talk about people at large again because I'm not going through that conversation with people that we had last time, where I tried to say what I believe and still believe to be how it will affect most people using Twitter, but a lot of people didn't seem to agree with what I was saying. For me personally. Uh, I mean, it will be frustrating at times to have things come through a little bit slower, like a minute or two minute delay. But honestly, I don't think that it's going to be too. Uh, I'll get used to it pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, I don't have any notifications for any interaction on Twitter at all. Um, if it removes the stats and activity screen from Tweetbot, I'll be really annoyed because it's two of my favorite features. Mm-hmm. So, I think it'll be uh, annoying during keynotes and stuff, right? <laughs> like the video, the Twitter is already, the Twitter and the video are already live out of events. Sync, yeah. But yeah. Yeah, I think day to day, like, I don't see it drastically changing the way that I use it personally. I don't um, I have, you know, streaming like pin to top, whatever turned on, at least in the Mac version. You do? Uh, I do on the Mac version, but, um, you know, I, I don't I don't think it's going to be a drastic hit just because I don't use the notifications very often. So episode 193 of connected is where we spoke about this last time when uh, i have the, blocked that out completely when the news was originally discussed you probably blocked it out because i said a bunch of stuff <laughs> and people got upset uh well let's <laughs> not talk, many people let's talk some about people. some more things that may upset people uh you want to take a break and we'll do this we'll do this last topic yes Yes, let's talk about our final sponsor for this week's episode, and that is Inboard Technology. They are the company, the genii behind the motorized M1 electric skateboard. Inboard's flagship M1 e-board is set apart from the pack of its innovative industry-leading features and its sleek yet rugged design. Talk about those features. What about integrated LED lights on the front or tail? So if you're safer ride, you can see where you're going. People can see you. You can ride long after the sun goes down. This is the only electric skateboard that has integrated LED lights, which I think when I read it, I'm like, why don't they all have that? That sounds like a really good thing. What about the ability to change battery so you don't have 
have to awkwardly find uh, a charging port. The M1 e-board allows you to just pop out the battery and put another one in so you could carry an extra uh, battery in your bag if you wanted to. And they have a remote. The remote that they have has a simple intuitive design as a safety trigger that means you don't have to worry about any accidental takeoffs as well. So you won't send your skateboard flying into a group of people when you're not on it, right? If you're just like fidgeting <laughs> with the, the, the remote, right? Yeah. So you know, it's all good. You're all good. You can upgrade your commute with one of these boards. You forget about spending ages stuck in traffic or looking for a parking space just pick up your board and head to work and if your commute is just fine you might want to find a way to, to I don't know, run some errands around your neighborhood in faster fashion it's great for that kind of stuff too um, if you follow me on twitter you may know that when i was in hawaii i sprained my ankle the greatest shame the thing that i am most upset about in my life right now with my stupid sprained ankle is that i have an inboard electric skateboard sitting right here and i haven't yet had the chance to ride it but luckily things are looking up so i expect maybe by the next time you hear us talk about the inboard i will be able to give you my experience but for now maybe we should ask Stephen what his experience is with the inboard all right so i am out front of my house gonna really take my inboard out for a spoon i was not really a skateboarder before this but the inboard gives you all the confidence you really need the board is very smooth. The wheels just seem to glide right over small debris, cracks in the concrete. It's really very, very comfortable. The remote is really easy to understand and use. You're not going to make a mistake with it. And it just makes you feel alive. I like going fast. I like riding my bike fast. I like fast go-karts. The inboard makes that experience a lot easier to attain because you're out in the open getting lots of fresh air, feel the breeze. It's a whole lot of fun. For a limited time only, you can save $100 in your purchase of the M1 eBoard by heading over to inboardtechnology.com and using the code CONNECTED100 at checkout. Get the board. You can try it out for 14 days. If it's not right for you, you can just send it back. With the easy return policy, if you've always wanted to try out a motorized skateboard, now is the time to do it. That is inboardtechnology, I-N-B-O-A-R-D technology.com and use the code CONNECTED100 to save $100 for a limited time go there now you won't regret it thanks to inboard technology for their support of this show and relay fm so we've got one last topic we're just going to dive into this because the news is a little bit old now but apple removed ios and mac apps from its affiliate program so you used to be able to create a special link to the app store and if someone bought a five dollar app you as the link creator got a little a little cut of that last year apple tried to reduce that percentage and it was met with a lot of feedback uh, a lot of negative feedback but now it is gone entirely and that is what it is it's ending uh october 1st so there's still you know six weeks eight weeks or so of this uh program left and after this you can still link to books and movies and tv shows but the app store affiliate system made possible a whole ecosystem of app of websites and people like comparing apps, doing roundups, creating editorial content around the app store. And what I really want to talk to you, Mike, about is this line in Apple's email. So this is an email. To, it was like the end of the day on August 1st. And it said, with the launch of the new app store on both iOS and macOS and their increased methods of app discovery, so all that new editorial stuff that came with iOS 11 is coming 
to the Mac with Mojave. We will be removing apps from the affiliate program. Um, and they go on into the details. So like just cards on the table. I've been a member of the affiliate program for a long time. It Depending on what I'm doing on my site or on Twitter, I make a little money f- from it each month, but it is nowhere near um, the amount that this is a, a big deal to me financially. Like it, it's very small numbers, a handful of dollars a month. But there are sites like Touch Arcade who are really going to be crippled by this, who really like that was a large part of their business. And you could argue that they should have evolved after what happened here. Max Stories and Federico tweeted about it. Sean Blanc wrote an um, a essay on the Sweet Setup about how they saw this coming and they started to move away from it. And those sites, Max Stories and the Sweet Setup, are going to be fine. But I really don't like that line about, oh, well, the App Store is really great now. Uh, so we don't need all of this like third party content. Like, am I just like reading into this? Am I just being sensitive or like, is, do you feel like that phrase has, has some problems in it? I think it's baloney. Uh, mostly. I don't think it's, I don't think that, that this is the reason, you know, and there are a lot of people that have given a bunch of other reasons for why Apple could be doing this, yeah. either to stop scammy apps from trying to make money to stop some big apps from circumventing the 30% cut like all, some of the 30% cut by linking to each other or linking to other apps that they own. Or maybe I don't buy this one. I think this is silly, but to further boost services revenue, I think the amount of money this is actually going to be, it's not going to be that much for the services revenue column. Yeah. To be well, honest, well, I think really. the flip side of that coin before you move on is some people have hope has said, hopefully, Oh, this means once they recover this money, they can move from a 30% cut to a 20% cut or something like that. Absolutely like, not. Good luck. If you think that's going to happen, they did it with subscriptions. That's as far as we're going. The the other part that felt bad about this was that this happened like the day after the quarterly results, or like, or maybe the same day, like right after Apple says, Hey, you know, we've made more than ever this quarter than the previous quarters and service revenue is up and saying, Oh, Hey, you know, you, you guys making, you know, some people making serious money in this system or that's going away. And so I think that the politics of it are really bad. The optics of it are real bad. And, you know, I, I don't, I can't speak to like the scammy side of this. Like I'm sure there are people cheating and like doing weird things in this, but like, you're punishing everybody because there's some bad actors. Like if you know they're bad, all this is trackable. If they're bad actors, kick them out of the system. Like it's not hard, like turn off their codes and let people like Federico and Sean and, and, you know, actual publishers continue to to move forward. So I I don't know. I I don't, I don't like it because whatever the reasons are, and it's some blend of these and some factors I'm sure that we're not aware of, no, I can't. I can't come up with a reason that makes me feel okay about it. And and again, this isn't being colored by the fact that all of a sudden I'm out two thousand dollars a month. I'm not. Um, but I, just, I can't come up with a reason that Apple would do this. That's not kind of lame. Because the thing is, no matter what that reason actually is, what they're saying is the only way that we believe. The app stores need to be incentivized. The, the apps need to be like get promotion is through the app store now. We we do not feel there is a requirement to incentivize people 
to write about iOS apps because that was why it was included, right? Like that was why it was there. You have this affiliate program to either incentivize people to write about it for developers to link to other applications. So like it can generate more revenue going through the store because if, you know, you get a kickback for it, like it's the same reason Amazon's affiliate. This is why affiliate stuff exists because affiliate stuff exists to drive more people to the store to make more purchases, right? Like that's why this stuff exists. That's why affiliate marketing is a thing because you are trying to push people through and a lot of ways this is done is through websites and media. But Apple is saying now that with the launch of the new app store and increased methods of app discovery, they don't need to incentivize people financially anymore to do this. That statement can be read as we do not believe it is important anymore for people who write or publish about applications to receive money for doing so as a cut. Now, that I find that to be mean spirited. I, I don't like it. Um, again, like so, I will just say from what you said, I've never personally made a cent from the affiliate program. Like me personally, I think Relay FM has a code, but I couldn't even tell you how much money we made. It's not much, and I'll tell you because whenever I link to apps in our show notes, it is very rare that I'll ever put an affiliate code on it, just because like whatever. Like I just don't bother. Like it's not massively important to me because i never really ever made any money on it so i never even think about doing it so if it makes any financial difference to me one i personally it doesn't bother me and two i probably won't see it anyway so anyway but i just think that you know like what 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 is this going to do to coverage of apps in the long term like i don't and like I understand what like that people are saying, you know, like people like Sean and, and Federico are saying that they that they found other ways to combat against this. But I think for a lot of people there isn't one. Because right. writing about technology or applications in twenty eighteen, it's not a great way to make a lot of money. Like it is hard to make money in that business because advertising dollars are going to other places by and large, right? Um one of those places is podcasting, right? Like a lot of the money that used to go, I believe, to into uh, web media is moving into uh, audio oh, yeah. media. As uh, someone places. in both worlds, I mean, I, can, I think that's absolutely, absolutely accurate. And yeah, the thing at the heart of it for me is that like this community, like these people are writing again. There may be some bad players out there, but at least everything I've ever come across is. That's good for Apple. It's good for the App Store. It helps consumers feel more confident about their purchases. It drives people to discover new apps and new categories of apps that they weren't previously aware of. It, the reality is getting rid of this is not going to do anything major to like App Store download numbers because the App Store is so massive. This is probably a, a relatively small drop in the bucket as far as like referrals into the App Store. But it's not about the raw numbers. It's about doing right by the community. And Apple, for all of its ups and downs, the thing that always gets me worked up about it is Apple. Apple's community is what sustained it when it was in the dark times, right? It was like the loyal Mac heads who kept buying Quadras and Power Macs, even though all their friends thought they were nuts for doing so. And that community is not the same community that, you know, like Federico wasn't around then. Mac Stories wasn't a thing then. But Apple has forgotten, I think, how important its community can be to the company because it's it's massive and it's well past the days of the Mac sells because 
people tell their friends to buy their kids an iBook and then their family gets hooked, right? Like it, the company's so much larger now, makes so much money. I think they've lost sight of that a little bit. And that's really what upsets me at the heart of it. I mean, yes, it's really a bummer that like sites like Touch Arcade are probably going to go away. Like that, That's horrible. But if, if it's happening because Apple isn't willing or is unable to see that that community is still really important to its long-term health, then like that, that is not, this is not great. And it just gives me like a, like a sort of a weird, bad feeling. I'm not going to give Apple different treatment than I gave Microsoft, right? Like if they've made this decision, fine. The decision is made. I'm not asking for them to go back on it. My concern is I wish they wouldn't have made it in the first place. Hmm. You know, it's like, I, I wish that this wasn't the decision that they had made. Um, I wish that, that they, would have paid attention to why this thing exists and maybe tried to allocate some resources to deal with the problems if there were some. Um, and if there weren't any, then what they have decided is that they don't want people writing about apps anymore. Yeah. Right. Like, and, and that is a very peculiar thing to me. Um, like does Apple believe or does Apple marketing believe that the only place that apps should be written about is in the app store? Like is, are they saying that? Because their actions recently have showed that they believe it's important for apps to be written about in the App Store. And they're doing a great job of it. I love that thing. But there are far fewer apps featured now than they used to be, right? Because they do like three stories a day as opposed to all of the things that they used to do. The features are better. But I don't think that it is that being featured today is as good as it used to be. I, I hear from many of friends who actually say that being featured today, even in those uh, screens is it's not as powerful as it used to be many years ago um, and so I just think to myself what is the intention here what are they trying to do because that they're, what they're saying what they're being open with seems to indicate that they don't think that it's important anymore and and I disagree with that so you know it is what it is I think it's worth discussing um, but if this is the route that they're going to take I certainly hope that people will be able to adjust course where they need to. But, it, you know, Adam Angst uh, of Tidbits called it unnecessary, mean-spirited, and harmful. I think I'm like, I'm, I am I pretty much agree with that summary. Um, unnecessary, I don't know. Might have been necessary, I don't know. But it does feel a little mean-spirited. It does. Um, especially to do this in between the time of earnings reports and becoming a trillion-dollar company on the stock market. Yeah. The, 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 that's what I mean. The optics are, are real bad. <laughs> yeah, like this feels like a nickel and diming thing, and like I I don't understand why. Like if it was, if it was a significant amount of money that was going through the app store, then surely they could have been able to re to reallocate some like service like some resources to make it better. And if it wasn't, then why do you care? So I don't know. What I will say is, uh, last on this is go download Blink by the Voorhees family. I feel so sorry for them. They were working on an update. So John, who's been on previously, he's working on an app called Blink, and he's been working on it for many years. We've mentioned it on the show a bunch. It was an affiliate linking app. Um, John was working on a big update. John and his son were working on a big update. They were, get, they were like two days away from publishing the update, and uh, this happened, which by and large renders the app useless if there's no affiliate linking anymore. Yeah, it's, but what it's... I will say... I use Blink as a way to quickly grab links for articles. 
like I have been, I've used Blink, uh, like on my iPad, I don't even have an affiliate token in the app because I just never bothered setting it up. But I use it as a way to like, if I'm writing something and I need a bunch of links, like App Store links, it is a faster way to search the App Store. And then with the new swiping actions he added, copy a link to the clipboard in the format that I want. Blink is still really good for that and will remain to be really good for that even after the affiliate program goes away. So Blink is now free, so go try it out. And uh, if you want to leave them a tip, there's you can get some alternate icons. So I just feel really sorry for them because they're my friends, and <laughs> it's just like the worst possible timing. It's pretty bad. If you want to find links to stuff we talked about, including that video of iPhone uh, mockups and Blink and a bunch of other stuff, head over to relay.fm/connected/slash two o four. While you're there, you can get in touch via email, or of course you can do that on Twitter. Mike is I-M-Y-K-E, and you can find me there as I-S-M-H. Uh, Federico, who is not here, uh, is also on Twitter, V-I-T-I-C-C-I, and he, of course, is the editor-in-chief of MacStories.net. I'd like to thank our sponsors for making this episode possible, Squarespace, Linode, and Inboard Technology. And until next time, Mike, say goodbye. Oh, don't forget about hashtag RelayQA questions. Yes! If you want to give us questions for our anniversary episode, hashtag RelayQA for that. Thank you. It's in orange in the bottom of the document, and I scrolled up to get the episode number yeah. and missed it. So mm-hmm. please ask us questions. We'll be back next week with those. Until then, Mike, say goodbye. Cheerio. Adios.